Awesome, awesome. And good to be, if, if, if the kids are being dismissed today, we're gonna go ahead and release them uh, to their classrooms. And I do wanna, I just wanna make a couple quick announcements. Number one, right over here, I got, a, I got a, a, a text message this week from Katie Beth, sitting right here in the middle. And she has with her, her, her young son, Sam. He spent a couple days in the hospital last week. There was some, some, some issues, some, some spots that they noticed on his liver. He's gonna be going, getting some biopsies this week. I know the entire family, uh, as, as are we, are, are anticipating those results. And so what we wanna do is we wanna pray right now. Can we pray for Sam? Come on, right, Sam's right there. I think we can just pray for him right now. Let's ask God to do a, a miracle right, right in his stomach area. He's feeling pain in, and he's not himself this morning. He's usually crazy up here dancing during worship. So we know that God, we need God to bring, do a miracle and heal him right now. Can we do that? Lord, we pray for Sam. We thank you for this young 10-year-old boy. God, we thank you for his life. And I pray right now, a miracle healing right now over his, over his body. These spots, Lord, they're, they're irregular. They're not supposed to be there. I pray in Jesus' name, a healing over his body right now. Lord, it needs to function the way you created it to function. We believe that it will. We trust you for healing today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for that. Let's thank God for that. Praise the Lord. Also... Also, I got news today. Word came today that Noah proposed to Hannah. Yeah. So on the, on, on, at, the, at the very last moments of 2020, they got engaged. And so that's exciting. It's exciting. We love when, when people get married and have babies and multiply. Come on. I love that. Praise the Lord. And it's going, to be, it's going to be a good Sunday. I just have a feeling it's going to be a good Sunday this morning. Uh, I want to wish every person here a happy new year. Happy new year. Now, we, don't, we don't expect that with the, the, with the turn of a calendar year that everything changes as far as what's going on in our world. We don't expect that. But we do expect that this is going to be a, a, a good year. I expect that for you. I expect that for our family. I expect that for our church. I expect it to be a good year. And I wanted this Sunday to minister a message that I, I, I felt would help us, lead us in our thought process and how we're approaching the future. Because I believe there's a future for us. I love that, uh, that Bryn this morning, he's leading worship. He's leading with a future mind. He, he made several, several, several uh, statements as he led worship dealing with the future and what, what to expect as we approach a new year. And so I want to kind of continue on in that same vein. I want to preach a message, and it's going to be pretty basic, honestly, super basic. But you'll have to kind of stay in tune because it'll all kind of tie together at the end. Does that sound cool? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in, in numbers, okay? So you're going to be in two places. If you have paper Bibles, I'd like you to kind of open those up. Maybe get a pen ready. We'll underline a few things a little bit later on. But, but open your Bibles in Numbers chapter 13 and then also 2 Corinthians chapter 10, okay? Just kind of have 2 Corinthians chapter 10 we'll get to later. Uh, but I'm going to kind of give you the ba basic background of what's happening in the story that we're going we're to kind of examine today in Numbers chapter 13. And basically what's happened is, is God has, has chosen a people that have been oppressed by the Egyptians. We know that the children of Israel were in bondage in slavery to Egypt for hundreds of years. And they've been, they've been put to hard labor, and uh, they've been under the rule of Pharaoh. It's not a good situation. And, and uh, they're seeking God for a deliverer, so God provides one uh, in the form of Moses. You guys would know Moses. If you watch the Prince of Egypt, you know this story, okay? So, so Moses is God's chosen deliverer, and uh, through a series of unfortunate events for the Egyptians— 
um, God, God causes Pharaoh to basically kick all of these slaves out of Egypt. He, he just, he's saying, get out of here. We don't want you here anymore. Take you and your God with you. We don't, we, we get out of here. And so, so Moses takes 3.1 million people and lead them uh, um, out of Egypt toward a, a land that God has promised them. And, and the Bible says they come up against the Red Sea. And you guys know the story. All of a sudden, Pharaoh has a change of heart. He sends his troops to chase after and bring back those slaves. And, 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 and God does a miracle as they begin to, as, as Moses puts his staff into the Red Sea, it parts. They march through on dry ground. And, and, and when the Egyptians chase after him, the Red Sea swallows them up. It's a great victory. And so now they're on the other side of the Red Sea. Is everybody following me today? They're on the other side of all of that, and they're beginning to move toward a future, a different future than what they've been experiencing in their past. God's got something special for them, and it's evident by all that's taken place. And so, and so we, if you read in your text in Numbers chapter 13, Moses is beginning to strategize how do we get from here into the promise? Because the because the Bible said that God's told Moses that he's got a promised land for them and has explained it like this, that it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And so Moses is like, I gotta, we gotta get to that place. That's where we wanna be, we wanna be in the promise. And so, so the Bible says that Moses gets together 12 spies. Now I want you to remember, it's 12 guys out of 3.1 million. And this 3.1 million has been divided up into 12 different tribes. And so basically, Moses chooses the best, best guy from each tribe. So there's 12 guys, one from each tribe, and he's sending them out as spies to go kind of survey the land, to go check it out, and you can kind of see it. He, he gives them some orders, and he says, I want you to go check out this land, and I want you to see what, 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 how these people are, whether they're strong or weak, a few or many. You know, what kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? You know, what, what, what are the towns like? Are they walled or fortified? Are, are, how's the soil, fertile or poor? Are there trees there? Bring back some fruit. We all want to have a little taste, all right? So he kind of commissions these guys, and so they take off, and they go spy out the land, and then they come back. And in verse 26, they're coming back, and they're bringing a report to Moses and to the entire 3.1 million people. They're reporting what they saw. And so they basically tell them, uh, in verse 27, he's, they, these spies come back, and they said, we went to the land you told us to go to. And, and it does flow with milk and honey. What have they just done? They've just spoken the truth. They just said, the promise that God said, we saw with our own eyes, it's true. The land flows with milk and honey. And then, but then they begin to go on, and, and 10 spies begin to present this, this argument before the people, and they're like, but, but the people that live there, they're powerful. Um, the cities are, are big, and they have walls. Um, we saw giants walking around. It, it was crazy. Um, uh, it, it, and, and then Caleb, one of the 12, he stands up, and he's like, wait a second. We should surely go take possession of that land. That's our promise. That's, that's the land that God talked to us about. We saw it with our own eyes. We can surely do it. But then the 10 begin to argue back, and they're like, we can't attack those people. Verse, verse 31, they're stronger than us. And they begin to spread among the Israelites a bad report. They begin to say things like, the land devours those that live in it. All the people there are big. There's giants there, and we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. 
And then Joshua and Caleb, they, they, they stand up and they're like, wait a second, the land that we were in is exceedingly good. It, it's, a, it's a great place. And if God is pleased with us, he'll surely give us the land just like he said he would, all right? It's flowing with milk and honey. Remember, he told us that. He, he's gonna give it to us. We can't be afraid of those people because that's our future. And if you skip down to verse 24, the Bible, God begins to describe Caleb. And I want you just to kind of grab a hold of this in chapter 14. God says, my servant Caleb has a different spirit. Say different spirit. He has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. And I will bring him into the land and his descendants will inherit it. There's two guys, Caleb and Joshua, that had a different spirit. A different spirit. Now, I love that. Second Corinthians chapter 10, the other scripture that I asked you to open your, your Bibles to. Look at this scripture, and you know what it says. It says, though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with aren't the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Amen. Now, probably, that's probably one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible, and, and another one is in Acts chapter 2. Look at this one on the screen. Look what it says. In the last days... God, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dr dream dreams. Now, as you're gazing your eyes up on that scripture, what that scripture is telling us is that the language, the vocabulary of God, the vocabulary of heaven is dreams, is visions, is prophecy. It's future. It's future. The language of heaven doesn't deal with past. The language of heaven is, is the future. God speaks to you not from your past. He speaks to you from your future. He's not talking to you from 2020. God's talking to you from your future. And here's the truth. When God's moving through a group of people, and I like to think that God's moving here at Elevate Ministries, when God's, when God's moving through people, these people will not spend their time lamenting what happened in the past. They're not going to spend their time living in fear or living in isolation. They're not going to spend their time mourning the mistakes that they made. They're not going to spend their time uh, talking about what they missed out on yesterday. When God's moving a, um, amongst a group of people, they'll spend their time dreaming. They'll spend their time prophesying speaking the promises and the future of God. They'll have vision. When God's people, when God's moving amongst his people, these people will be fixed and obsessed with the future. With the future. And I think a lot of people get this twisted. I think this happens to a lot of us. What happens is, is we think that when God starts to move, and when God's moving in our lives, we'll start feeling really bad about what we did. I think that's what a lot of people think, that, that when God's actively speaking into your life, what will happen as a result is you'll feel bad about the things that you did yesterday, but that's not what the Bible says. The overwhelming theme of the Bible is that when God is moving in your life, you'll come alive to the future. You'll come alive to what God has for you. Yes, you'll be convicted of your sin. When God's moving in your life, you'll be convicted of your sin, but you'll repent and it will only last for a moment because the Bible says that once your sin is repented of, it's forgotten. 
it is remembered no more. And then what will happen is God will begin to inspire your life and he'll begin to say things like, I've got a plan for you. There's a purpose for the reason I put you on this earth. I've got a future for your life. I've got a vision, a vision and a purpose and I've written it long before you were born. You know the reason why God immediately starts talking to us about our future? You don't wanna know why? Because that's what God thinks about. God is thinking about our future. Jeremiah 29 says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. Thoughts of future, thoughts of hope. Listen, God is not thinking about what happened last year, what happened 10 years ago. God is thinking about your tomorrow. God is thinking about your dream. He's thinking about your vision. He's not even thinking about where you are right now. He's thinking about where he wants you to be, amen. When you're with God, when God starts talking, he's gonna talk to you about what he's thinking about. And what he's thinking about is your future. He's thinking about your future. He's not thinking about yesterday or last year. He's not thinking about what you did wrong, the mistakes that you made. He's not thinking about your missed opportunities. God's thinking about your future. Hebrews 12 says this, for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sin. I'll, I'll remember their past. I'll remember their failures. I'll remember their faults no more is what it says. I'm not remembering it ever again. God does not, he cannot, he chooses not to think about the faults that you have. He's not thinking about the failures that you have. He's instead, he's thinking about the future you. He's thinking about the, the person he's creating and the vision that he has for your life. He says in Isaiah 48, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I'm doing a new thing. Somebody say new thing. I'm doing a new thing and now it springs up. Can't you see it? Now, here's the problem. All right, I say all that to say this. Here's the problem. We are made up by a collection of memories we have on file. Our lives are, are basically a collection of memories. I like to refer to my brain as like a huge Rolodex. It's a, it's a Rolodex, just tons and tons of files of different memories. And we've, we have memories that begin very early on in our childhood, and then we just kind of stack on top of those memories new memories and new experiences. And, and as we walk through our lives, every one of us, we're collecting memories. Facebook force, forces us to see what we did last year at this time. We're, we're just constantly collecting memories. And, and these, these memories, they're not just one-dimensional still images. These memories, when we play them back, they draw up all kinds of emotion in us. They draw up all kinds of feelings. When we play back certain things, you'll feel the same way you did when it happened. Like for, for me, I've got several memories. I remember when I was four years old, I had this bright red tricycle. I was riding around on it, bumping around on it in Kingman, Arizona, and I remember getting stuck at the base of our, of our sidewalk where it connects to the street, and, and basically the, the wheel got stuck in the crack. And so there I am. I'm positioned on this tricycle. Uh, I'm looking down, and all of a sudden I see, to my dismay, fire red ants. And there I am, this four-year-old kid, and I'm doing everything in my power. I'm trying to pedal, but I can't get enough momentum. And then I'm screaming for dear life until my mother comes to save me. That's a memory I have. Still haunts me to this day. When I was five years old, I was in Canada dressed in my Superman underoos. And I'm talking full, full, full bore, like the, the blue tights, the red undies the Superman shirt and a cape. 
I was floating around Canada on a vacation with my parents. And, and while I was running around saving the world and leaping tall buildings with a single bound, I happened to step on an under, underground beehive and was stung immediately by about 70 bees. It's a memory I have. When I was seven years old, my grandpa came to visit me. And I, I thought my grandpa was so cool because he had chained to his waist belt a pocket knife. And while he was taking a nap, I stole it. I proceeded to go and show all my friends in the neighborhood my new pocket knife. When I was asked about it, I said, I don't know what you're talking about. It just disappeared until my mom did the laundry and it fell out of my pocket and I was busted. All right. When I was 11 years old, I, I, it was the first time I ever got beat in a foot race in my elementary school Olympics and, and, and just did something traumatic to me that day. When I, was, when I was 15 years old, I started dating my beautiful wife, Carrie. Amen. One of the best decisions I ever made. 17 years old, I got arrested for something I didn't do and then freaked out and ran from police. Okay. Uh, when I was 20 years old, I got married and lost my virginity. When I was 22 years old, my firstborn son was born, amen, as a result. And when I was 22 years old, also, uh, the Cleveland Indians lost game seven of the World Series after having a lead in the ninth inning. It's, it, it's, it's, it's haunted me to this day because then 20 years later, when I was 42 years old, the Indians again lost in game seven of the World Series in extra innings after coming back in the ninth inning to tie. And so that haunts me yet to this day. But when I was 15 years old, one of the greatest memories I've ever had, I had an encounter with God and I knew that from that point on, I'd spend the rest of my life serving him. And what happens when you give your life to Christ and when you have an encounter with Jesus, the Bible says the old is gone, the new has come. I think we forget that. But the Bible says the old is gone and God starts over. It's new. It's new. Every day is new. Every day starts over new. And so from the time I encountered Jesus, what happened is I stopped just living with the Rolodex memories that I'd collected from my past. So I'm not just... And I'm no longer just thinking about when I was four or when I was 12 or, or the, the experiences I had when I was 15 because the moment you encounter Jesus, God starts communicating. And he starts communicating differently than what you've, you're used to because you've, you've based all of your decisions on your past up to this point. But when you, when you connect with Jesus, he starts communicating to you about your future. He begins to speak to you not from your past. He begins to speak to you from the promises of your future. And when you get into his presence, vision comes alive. Dreams come alive. All of a sudden, prophecy begins to happen in your life. The moment you meet Jesus, you begin to have an understanding of why I'm here. It just, it just happens. You, you realize I'm alive for a reason. Like there's a purpose, my life has a purpose. I'm not an accident, I'm here because God wanted me to be here. He ordained for me to be here and somehow my life is gonna count in his eternal plan. Now here's the thing, this is what we need to understand. As much as we I think know this to be true, the problem is is that your past memories can impact your life just as much as your future dream can. I'll say that again, your past memories the memories you've collected can impact your life just as much as this dream can. And so, so here's what happens. When I go back through my little Rolodex memory catalog, and what happens is I start thinking about that arrest. I start thinking about all of my personal missteps, 
all of the things that I said and did wrong, all of the fear that, that, that I've accumulated over time, all of the, the failures. And, and so those memories are still alive in me. If I play those memories, they're as real and the feelings are as real as they were back then. When I go backwards, when I, when I press play, the same emotions come to the surface. When I go backwards, those same feelings are still there. They're still there, the same experiences are alive, and they're as real now as they were in my past. And here's the problem, if I take enough of those memories and put them together, like if I take a memory from when I was four and I, and I connect, connect it to something that happened when I was eight and when I was 17, maybe a failure from when I was 34, all of a sudden I'm taking all of these images and all of these memories and I compile them together and what I have after all of that is I have my self image. It's, it's, it's who I am. It becomes a picture of myself that I've constructed based on what I've experienced. Are, are, you, are you hearing me today? It becomes the way I feel about me. Are you hearing me? And one memory from your past, it can skew your future. It, it can mess up. It can become the dominant emotion of your life that literally will dictate the course of your life and what you'll do next. And here's the problem, if our memories become the prevailing picture, then it becomes how you see yourself. You can see this in how kids view the world. Like, I, I, I even think about my own kids. I think about my, my, my sons and my daughter, when, they, when, when Halloween would come around and they, got, like, they, got, they started figuring out what this was all about and they got to choose who they were gonna be and they would get that costume at a very young age. Didn't matter if they were gonna be Superman or some superhero or, or a Star Wars action figure or whatever. Once they put that, that costume on, they were them. They were them. Like all of a sudden, they put the mask on and boom, Darth Vader. Just happened. Like I remember when I was running around Canada and I've got, I've got the Superman tights and, and undies and the S on my chest and the cape and I'm flying through Canada, I felt like invincible. I felt like I could fly, I could leap tall buildings with a single bound. Like I, I actually felt like that because, because the dream was more prevalent than my past experiences. In other, words, in other words, the balance between my memories and what I had at that time and the dreams, the dreams so far outweighed the memories that, that I actually was able to paint a picture of myself as Superman. The problem is, is I got bit by 70 bees, and I realized I'm not Superman. I'm not invincible. I, I was laying there. I looked like the Michelin man, white and puffy with bees all over me, and I realized I'm not, I'm not Superman. And here's the problem. As time goes on in our lives and memories like that are collected, we, we start obscuring our future based on what's happened in our past, and it impacts the way we see ourselves and the way we see our future. Now what happens is, is we meet Christ. This is the good news, all right? We meet Christ, and from that moment on, Jesus begins taking us on a new journey. And when you connect with God, God speaks to you. And as I said earlier, he's not speaking to your past you, or the you who you are right now, he's speaking to the future you. He's speaking to the person he's created you to be. The Bible says in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. What does that mean? I, God's saying, I'm, in the last days, I'm gonna raise up a generation of people who are gonna live dreaming, who are gonna live prophesying, who are gonna live with vision. 
They're going to be alive with hope. This is what, this is what the Bible says. They're going to be alive with a promise. They're going to be alive with a future. And just like your memories, if you put enough prophecy and vision, if you put enough dream inside of you, your life begins to be shaped not by your past, your life begins to be shaped not by a picture of who you were or what you've done. Now all of a sudden your life is being shaped by who God says you are and what God's saying about your future and what you're going to become. Amen. That's why we worship. This is why we come to church. This is why you got it. Many of you saw that we started a brand new Bible reading plan at Elevate Ministries. Why? Because you need to get a, a new narrative in you. And it's a God narrative. When God's speaking to you, he speaks to you about future. He speaks to you in, in dreams and in visions and in prophecy. And when you worship, you're dreaming. I mean, the songs we were singing this morning, they're not talking about what happened yesterday. They're thanking God about what's gonna happen later. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. So when you come to the presence of God, what is God gonna do? He's gonna fill you with a dream. He's gonna speak to you about your future. He's gonna prophesy over your life. Now what I wanna do is I wanna connect all of this. Okay, take all this information, and we're gonna connect it to these 12 spies. Okay, I'm gonna try and connect this all together, and let's make sense of this. What, what do we know about these 12 spies? The first thing we know is they, we, we know they were from the same neighborhood. They came from the same, they grew up in the same community. There wasn't like first class Egyptian slaves and lower class Egyptian slaves. They were just slaves. That's how they grew up. They all grew up in the same exact location. The other thing that we know, second thing we know is that they had the exact, basically the exact same physical stature, okay? They were one guy from each tribe, tribe out of, out of 3.1 million people. So we're talking about the best of the best. We're talking about 12 guys out of 3.1 million people. These guys were ripped, all right? They were cut. These guys had, 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 they, they had muscles and shoulders, and they were chiseled. These guys looked the part. Okay, all right? That's what we know about them. Number three, we know they had the same experiences. These guys had, they were all slaves. They had slave masters. They all know, knew what it was like to make bricks out of straw. Okay, they, they, they knew that. They, 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 they went through the same Red Sea. They saw it parted. They walked across on dry ground. They all ate the same manna. They, they all got fed quail for meat from God. Like they had all of these exact miraculous experiences. They all experienced the same thing. Number four, we know they had the same opportunities because God gave them a future. He said, this promised land, it belongs to you. So these 12 guys, follow me. The 12 guys, they had the same background, same appearance, same experiences. They had the same opportunities. Now, these guys are being sent by Moses or, or by God. They're being sent to check out the future. They're going to check out the promise from God, and they're, they're, going, they're being sent to explore the dream that God has for their life. Now, what's crazy, with all of their similarities, you would think they would come back with the same report. I mean, having experienced all the same things, but, but, but the Bible says, and we just read about it, these guys came back with totally different reports. What they saw in front of them, based on their own perspective, was entirely different. Are you with me today? When you hear from the, the, the 10, what you hear is a ridiculous report. You hear this report that, that basically, they're, 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 they're kind of explaining that, that, 
they were, they were viewing the promised land through a picture of their past. They were viewing themselves as too small and too weak to be able to overcome a, a great foe. So these guys come back and they give a report. And here's the truth. They have some truth. They, they have a basic understanding. They know the right words to say. Look what they said. They said, this place flows with milk and honey. Where did they get that from? Well, they got that from God. So they had a basic understanding. They, they kind of, they, they, they had the lingo down. They said, this area is lush. This promised land is, look at these grapes. These grapes are juicy. I mean, this is amazing. But, but, but then they go on. They said, but the people there are powerful. Like the cities, they're large, they're fortified. The people are giants, literally. They're huge. And so these 10 guys, they just give this pessimistic, negative, gloomy report. And, and, and here's the truth. Their report is basically, it's, it's shaped by how they're looking at themselves. We can't do it. We'll never be able, there's no way. That's what they're saying. But then Caleb, this unknown guy, we've never read about him before. Caleb steps up and he's like, guys, we should go in. Dude, that's the promise. God is, God's with us. God's for us. Who can be against us? We can take the land. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely what, and then the, ch- the 10 jump back in and they begin to argue back and forth with Caleb. And, and now you've got this argument happening by the, tw- the same 12 guys and they're fighting by this time. Now it's not even half truths anymore. These guys are doing full blown lies, these 10 guys. Their narrative is lies. It's not even, it's not even based in truth. It's total fake news. Look what they say. They say, the land, the people are stronger than we are. After they saw God just demolish the entire Egyptian army, the Egyptian empire just got crushed. And now they're saying, the people are stronger than we are. And look what they say, the land, it devours people. And what are they even talking about? Like, it's, what does that even mean? Like, you, like, it opens up and people just fall into it. We saw the Nephilim there. What is that? We saw giants. It's like Jurassic Park over there. All right? they, it's, like, it's like total fake news. And then they begin to talk about themselves. And look how they view themselves. They say, they, they say so based on how we view ourselves, compared to what we're up against, we are ridiculously small. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. That's a total false report. It's not even true. But then we get to Joshua and Caleb and they're totally different. They're totally different. The question is, what's the difference by, between the 10 guys who gave this bad report and the two that didn't? They grew up in the same environment, same neighborhood, same experiences, same opportunity, same church. Hearing the same preaching. hearing the same stories, witnessing the same power of God. But the Bible says they had a totally different perspective than the 10. They said, God is with us and we can take the land. That's what they said. They said, he's going to give it to us. It's our promise. Let's go take possession of it. Now you and I, in our lives, we're going to have moments just like Joshua and Caleb, where they have to step out, they had to step out of their past to see their future. And you and I, we're gonna, have, we're gonna face moments where we're gonna have to do the same thing. Where we're gonna have to step away from who we were, what we did, the things that we said. We gotta step away from all that, all the experiences that we've saved up that scream to us, you can't, you'll never, no way, impossible. That's a wrong narrative. 
That's not a narrative that comes from God, and God doesn't speak that over your life. So God's trying to take all these people into something new, and here's the key to it. The key to it is the name that God was trying to take them into. It was the promised land. Did you hear that? It was the promised land. In other words, God's saying, I promise I'm giving that to you. Come on now, this, this is the God who opened up the Red Sea. Provided manna. Like miraculous, delivered them from Egypt. He's now, that same God is now saying, I'm giving you, it's a promise. I'm giving you this land. And these 10 guys are arguing with God. They're arguing with their future and they're coming back. Check this out. They're coming back with their own analysis and their own thoughts. We shouldn't, we can't, it's not possible. Why would you argue with a promise? Like that doesn't even make sense. And I think this is the tendency we all have. I think all of us have this tendency from time to time. We doubt the promises. We doubt the promises of God. And I, I here's the question is why? Why do we do that? I think the answer is found in 2 Corinthians 10. It's a scripture I read, and I asked you to kind of keep your finger. Look at the scripture, look what it says. Get your pen ready, we're going to underline a couple things. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Let's underline strongholds. And we demolish arguments. Let's underline arguments and every pretension, underline pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought. Go ahead and I highlight every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I think if we look at this scripture, what this scripture does is it exposes the strategy of Satan. And it's a backward strategy because what, what Satan wants to do is he wants to place us in a stronghold. And you're like, well, what's a stronghold? Well, if you've ever watched WWE and you've seen one of those guys get, get, a, get a wrestler in some crazy move where, the, where they're, just, they're in a, you know, a, some kind of neck stranglehold, that's what Satan wants to do to you. And when you're in a position like that, you can't move. You can't get where you're trying to get. You can't accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. It's impossible. What Satan wants to do is place you in a stronghold. How does he do that? Because none of us willingly say, hey, Satan, throw me in a stronghold. We don't do that. Well, well how does it happen? I think that you can see the strategy right here. And it, it starts at the very end. It says, it says, we take captive every thought. In other words, the stronghold we're trying to avoid, it starts with a thought. It starts with a thought, and probably the thoughts that we're thinking is based on a memory. It's probably based on a painful moment that all of us have. And so we end up thinking about our pain and thinking about 2020 and thinking about the crisis and thinking about the narrative that everybody's trying to sell us. We're thinking all of these thoughts, and if you don't deal with the thoughts and take them captive, what happens is, is they become a pretension. And you're like, well, what's a pretension? I don't even remember that. I, I, I'm sure it was a vocabulary word at some point, but I don't even know what it is. A pretension is an assumption. And so basically, we, 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 if we don't deal with our thoughts, those thoughts become assumptions. And what's an assumption? Assumption is something that you believe is true, even though it's untested. I've heard it said, it's doomed to assume. And so many people are assuming today. And they've allowed their thoughts to swirl to the point that they've already created a, an assumption and you end up living your life 
with memories and thoughts that have created assumptions, and you start thinking things like, well, I come from a broken home. I'll never be able to do that, or I didn't get the head start that they got, and I didn't have that education. Well, my upbringing, and I failed at this, and, and basically, because of those experiences, now you're creating assumptions that's now dictating the future of your life. Are you hearing me? And the Bible says that God is not thinking about those things. He's thinking about your future, and he remembers not your past. That's God's word, and so we mess this up. We mess this up, but we, be, we begin to think, well, we forget we have a future. And instead, we live our lives thinking about our past. A thought becomes an assumption. And if you don't deal with it, the assumption turns into an argument. And an argument is exactly what took place be between those 12 guys. They're arguing. You've got 10 guys. All 12 of them are on the verge of stepping into the promise. And you've got 10 guys and as they're walking into the, on, check it out, they're on the doorstep, man. They're right there. And as they're about to step in, they're thinking, we can't do this. There's no way. It's, it, it's impossible. This can't be us. And, and here's the truth. You know, they're, they're probably thinking, there's no way we could do this. We're just slaves. But they didn't realize that sometimes God allows you to experience some stuff in your past in order to prepare you for what he's got ahead for you in your future. And that's exactly what he was doing with the children of Israel. He allowed them to go through 400 years of slavery, but it was only preparing them for what he had for them in the future, in the promise that he, the land that he was promising them. Because God is more concerned about your destination than he, he's more concerned about the destination than he is on your journey. He doesn't care about all that stuff. He's just trying to get you somewhere. So instead of recognizing these 10 guys, instead of recognizing that what they'd went through, all the things they had gone through was actually God preparing them rather than seeing it like that, they allowed their thoughts and their memories to turn into assumptions and they began to argue with God and as a result, it became a stronghold in their life and they never ever were able to experience the promise. Because I wanna tell you something, Satan desires place you in a stronghold, and that stronghold will lock you down. Talk about lockdown. That's what Satan wants to do to your, your life. He wants to lock you down. He wants to lock you out of the promise. Now, let's jump over to Joshua and Caleb. What was different about these two guys? Verse 24 tells us, says this, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit. Say different. Spirit. Different spirit. Because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I'm taking him into the future. I'm taking him into the, into the promise. The word different translated in the original text, in the original language here, it actually means next or following, future. So, so he, the scripture is actually saying because my servant Caleb has a next spirit, because he has a following or future spirit, and because he follows me wholeheartedly. Listen, guys, how did he have that? How did he, he grew up in the same environment as those other 10 guys. So what was different about, how did he have a different spirit? That's the part that, that I had to struggle with and think about. They came from the same neighborhood, had the same experiences, given the same opportunities, experienced the same things. 10 were arguing with the promise, but this guy has a different spirit. How? He had the same whip marks across his back as the other 10. 
How? He had a different spirit. And how did he have that different spirit? It's right there in the text. He has a different spirit because, or and, he follows me wholeheartedly. The reason you have a different spirit is because you're following after God. And when God's, when you're speaking to God, he's speaking to you about your future. He's not talking to you about your past. Are you with me? He had a following or a next spirit. He wasn't living where his body lived. He wasn't living. His, his spirit had a different address. It had a future address. And the reason he had a different spirit is because he followed wholeheartedly after, after, after me. If you look at follows, if you look at that in the original language, it actually means to come after or to chase after. You can see that in these guys. Like, like take Joshua for an instance. He was the other guy that had a different spirit. Talk about Joshua. You know about Joshua and you hear his name a little bit more because he was Moses' right-hand man. And, and Moses, we know, had an encounter with God so crazy. Like Moses spoke to God. He saw God. He, he, I mean, he, they had conversations. God would speak to Moses, and, and Moses would speak to the people. And the Bible begins to talk about Moses. That when he would go speak to God, he would, he would go up, up a hill, and he would go inside of a tent, and he would communicate with God. He'd only allow one person to kind of come along, and it was Joshua. And, and, and about halfway up the hill, he'd stop Joshua. You can't go any further. And so he'd go on and he'd, he'd have conversation with God. So there's Joshua. He's apart from all the people. And he's up on that hill. And you can almost picture Joshua almost like leaning in, you know, on his tiptoes, trying to hear what God is saying to Moses. And the Bible says that when Moses would finish communicating with God, he would come out of the tent. And instead of Joshua going back with Moses, he actually snuck back up to the tent just so he could sit inside of that tent and just marinate in the afterglow. What was Joshua doing? He was chasing after God. He, he was following after God. Let me tell you something. When a life begins to worship and when a life begins to reach, the Holy Spirit starts connecting with that life. Are you here today? When a life, something changes in a life that's reaching out to God. You can't worship God and stay the same. That's why we try so hard and beg people, come down. Come on, get involved in worship. Come on, sing it out. Lift your voice. Clap your hands. Why are we in the front? Because there's something happens when you connect with God. When you're not distracted by what everything that's happening around you, when you're focused entirely on, when you connect with God, God's not going to talk to you about the mistakes you made. He's going to talk to you about the future destiny of your life. He's going to put it inside. Something changes. God doesn't live in the neighborhood of your pain. He doesn't live in the memories of your past. He's not thinking about your sin. He's not thinking about your failure. He's not thinking about your shame. God is thinking about why he put you on this planet. He's thinking about what he's called you to do. And when you connect with him, he starts pouring a different spirit inside of you. You're no longer defined. You don't look like the rest of the world. You're not defined by the, by the plague of your past. You're defined by the promise of his future. You begin to see yourself the way God sees you. You see yourself at home in the promise. Not where you are, but at home over there where God's taking you. So, the, so, so this is why 12 guys cross over. 10 have a different report, and 2 have a different spirit. 2 grew up in the same slavery, but because they were worshipers, they didn't allow their lives to be defined about, by the narrative of their past, by the narrative of 2020, by the narrative of what we've gone through. 
They didn't allow their lives to be defined by the pain that they've gone through, the whip marks on their back. Instead, they were defined by a constant flow of, of communication, a constant flow of the thoughts of God that God was speaking into their lives. God saying, I've got a future for you. I've got a hope for you. I've got a vision for you. I've got a dream for you. And, and, and as, be, as a result, these guys came alive with a heavenly purpose. And I'm here today to tell you that God placed you on this earth and he wants to, he wants to show forth his p- presence in your life. He wants to put his glory around you. He, when you're walking around the world, you don't need to look like everyone else is looking. You don't need to speak what everybody else is speaking there's a new narrative that comes from God it's new every day and it's future and it's for you somebody shout amen amen and what does God want for you I'm gonna tell you what God wants for you I'm gonna have the worship team come we're gonna worship this this day out what God wants for you is the future he he wants he wants you to step into the promise it's the same thing he wanted for the children of Israel he wants for you today what he wanted for them back then. He wanted them to, to, to inherit the promise, the land. And that's exactly what God wants for you. He wants you to experience the promise. That's why it's so important that we read his word. How do you know what the promises of God are? Um, there's a whole book full of them. There's a whole book full of them. That, that, that tell you who you are. They tell you what, you what you're capable of. That tell you that there's the whole book full of the promises of God. That's why it's so important that instead of just hearing what everyone else is saying and listening to what everyone else in this world, all the experts are saying, it's important that we ha- have a different narrative. It's, a, it's important we're listening to some different voices. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm not talking about conspiracy theories. I'm talking about the word of God. I'm talking about, I don't care what everyone else is saying this side, that side, it doesn't matter. We don't listen to that. We listen to the voice of God, the narrative of the Holy Spirit that speaks to our future. It doesn't matter what happens in this world. You and I are different. You and I are different. And what does God want? He wants a future for you. He wants your family blessed. He he wants you well taken care of. God wants you to walk in your destiny. He wants you to fulfill your purpose. He wants your life to matter. That's what God wants for you. How, how, how do I get that, Adam? I'll tell you how. You allow the future voice, the, 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 the voice of God, when you communicate with God, he's going to speak to you about your future. That narrative needs to outweigh all of your past experiences and everything that's going on around you. You've got to make a determination that the voice I'm going to spend the most time listening to is the voice of God. How do I do that? Well, I'll tell you how. I'll give you a couple. I'll give you three ways. Number one, Jump in God's word. Jump in God's word. If you say, well, I don't know how to do that, I'll tell you how. There's an easy plan. There's a Bible reading plan that we, 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 we jump in together here at Elevate Ministries. And you say, well, I, I don't know about it. Come, to, I'll give it to you. I'll invite you in personally. I want you to join in. Read the word. Allow the word of God to come inside of your heart every single day. Make that priority. What, what else can I do to hear, hear the voice of God? I'll tell you, be a church. Be a church. It's, it's important that we're in the house of God. It's important that we're gathering together. Online is cool, and it has its place. But I'm telling you right now, there's nothing better than being in, in, in person with people that love you, that can encourage you. Listen, I, 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 I love the fact that we have technology and we can reach people over TVs and everything. That's fantastic. And there's plenty of people using that today, and I'm grateful that you're tuning in. 
But I'm telling you right now, there is nothing like being in the house of God, being around other people that aren't saying what everyone else is saying. That are, that are saying, man, what's up, man of God? How you doing today? God's, God's with you. God's for you. Yeah, I'm struggling right now. That's okay. You're more than an overcomer through Christ. There's something about hearing somebody that's in you with, the, with you in the battle and saying, we're going, we're going to the promise together. So we get into God's word. We get around other believers, and then we develop a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of worship. Man, well, I, I want to encourage every person in this room, we're going to do that this morning, to step away from maybe just kind of like the, oh, I'm go through the motions and sing a few songs. I want to challenge you to step out of that for a moment and say, you know what, I'm going to connect to God in worship. You know, we were singing that song today, well, live again. I want to sing live again. I know it's, it's, it's not really fitting with the mood we're in right now, but that's okay. You can transition to it softly. Um, but when you say, we were singing the song live again, the whole song is about future. It's just about future. And when you're singing it, a lot of times you've heard it before or whatever, it's kind of, you're just kind of going through the motions singing the song. But when you're honestly sitting there, you're singing those words, and you're saying, man, this is, this is the God I serve. This is where he's taking me. All of a sudden, that worship turns into dream. You're not speaking, you're not speaking, you're singing words to a song. You're singing about the future life that God has. It's a promise. That's how you do this. And there's so many other ways. There's so many other ways that you can communicate with God, but those are three. And I think we could start right now. I think we can start right now. So God, in this place. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You know, I, I'll tell you what, man. Pause that prayer for a second. Hold on a sec, God. I want to say something. Um. Like, my role at, here is a pastor. That's what I am, I'm a pastor. And I tell you what, it's been somewhat frustrating trying to navigate through everything. And I know your lives are different. Some of you aren't, my son is an electrician. Trying to be an electrician during a pandemic is difficult. There's all kinds of different red tape and things you gotta, I get it. My job is a pastor. So my role is not to come on Sundays. Maybe you think, well, his job is to preach to us on Sunday. That's true. So I, 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 that's part of it. But really my role is to shepherd you through stuff like this. That's my role. And, and it's been frustrating trying to do that and kind of walk a tightrope with what's going on in our world. So I'm not going to try to walk a tightrope anymore. Because I don't think that's, that's not my role. It's not... My role is just to preach God's word and just lay it out. And the question is, where do you fall right now? Is it the 10? Oh, we can't do that. What's everybody saying right now? You notice that? Oh, can't do that. No, we can't do that. Can't do that. Who said that? Who told you that? Can't do this. Can't do that. Won't do this. No, that's not that. Says who? Why? I'm choosing to live my life and to try to shepherd you as God's people to not get suckered into this narrative. And I understand. Let's be safe. and let's, I, I understand all that. Let's take precautions. Let's, let's do all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about being you know, dumb. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about we are God's people. 
and God has a future for our lives. And if the narrative of this world is, is, is causing us to argue with what God says, then we have to shut it down. We have to shut it down. I'm not going to be one of the 10 that misses out on the promise. And I don't want Elevate Ministries or our church to be that way, where we're arguing with each other and questioning one another. The heck with that. We're going to listen to the voice of God. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have a different spirit than the rest of the world. It starts right now. I'm, I'm, let's, be, let's be real. Let's, let's, let's get determined right now. It starts right now. This year, I'm not going to follow what everyone else says. I'm not going to follow the narrative of this world. I'm listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to me not about what's happening. He's speaking to me about what's next. That's what he's speaking to me about. And so I'm listening to that. I'm obeying that. If that's you, come on, stand your feet all over this room. I'm obeying the voice of God this year. In order to obey the voice of God, you got to hear it. Come on. In order to obey the voice of God, you got to hear it. Make a determination right now. I'm going to put my attention on the words of God. I'm going to allow God to speak to me. I'm going to allow him to challenge me. And I'm going to listen to what he says. And I don't care what the rest of the world says. I don't care what the narrative is being offered. I don't care. I'm going to listen to the voice of God. I'm going to pursue him with all of my heart. I'm going to live sold out. I'm going to follow after God. I'm going to have a next spirit. I'm going to have a next spirit if that's you. Come on. You say, I'm going to have a next spirit. I'm having a next spirit, a future spirit. That's you. Come on, get out of your chairs. Come to the front. Come on, we're going to sing and worship the Lord. Come on, come out of your chairs. Come out of your chairs and come to the front. Don't, don't come out slowly. Come out quickly. Come on, I'm having a next spirit. I'm not going to allow my life to be determined by what other people say, by my past, my past experiences. No, I'm stepping into my future, the future that you have for me in Jesus' name. Come on, come on, come together. Come down to the front. Let's worship the Lord. Put your hands together. Come on. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, your love is breaking chains right now, right now. Oh, come on, say it out, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, you're overturning graves right now, right now. Oh, sing it. Jesus, Jesus, you're Sing to the Lord. And no mountain could ever. Come on, read those words, sing them. The plans you made, your heart is for. Sing, I believe. Sing it to the Lord. And I believe in your name. Yes, I do. Miracles will happen. We're talking future. I believe in your name. Miracles will happen. Come on, declare it out. Come this is a promise right here. Well, the blind will see, yeah. the 
sing this out today. When the lies come, sing it out. Come on. When the lies come, come on, read from it. every side, sing it. To say you're done. Oh yeah, come on. To say it's over. I remember. I remember. I remember the thousand times. Oh yeah. I'll sing it out. Your love has won. This is far from over. Oh, come on, declare the promise. I believe. I believe in your name. Miracle. This is the promise. Right here. Sing it out. And I believe in your name. Miracles will happen. Yes, they will. Where the blind will see. The sick will stare. Come on, do you feel that inside this morning? Oh, thank you, Lord. Come on, shout his name, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, your love is breaking chains right now, right now. Do you believe that? Do you believe God does that? It's a promise from God. Sing it. Jesus, Jesus, you're overturning graves right now, right now. Lift your voice and say, Jesus, Jesus, your love is breaking chains right now, right now. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Jesus, Jesus, you're overturning grace right now. Come on, we're going to sing his name oh, again. Lift, Lift your voice. Come on, Jesus.
talking about? You see what I'm talking about? We sang that song this morning before, before, before I spoke, but it just has a different feel right now. It's all of a sudden we're singing about future. We're recognizing it's a communication you're having with God. We believe, God, you're breaking chains. We believe Sam's going to get healed. The sick will stand. We believe that. We believe that stuff. So we believe around here. So we can't cower to a narrative that's, that says something different. We're going to listen to the voice of God. So God, we make that commitment this, this day. Lord, the first Sunday of this year, our commitment today, Lord, is to hear what you say, to listen to the narrative that comes from God, Lord, and to, to ignore the memories that, that try to speak a different narrative, the past that screams that we've failed, Lord, the, the circumstances that tell us we can't. We choose to not hear that and instead to hear what you say because we know when you speak, you're speaking about our future. Lord, we are speaking about what you're thinking about, and you know the thoughts that you have for us, hope and peace and future and promise. So God, we thank you today. So we make a commitment to hear what you say, to listen to your voice, and to allow it to lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. If you've made that commitment, come on, lift your hands up. I want to pray for you. 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 Thank you, Lord. Come on, if you've made that commitment, lift your hands up nice and high. Lift them up high. So God, I pray we come to you as a people. We're, as a people, Lord, we're hungry for you. We're thirsty for you. We're hungry for your presence. We're, 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 we need your voice. We need your voice. And so Lord, we make a determined commitment right now, starting now, we're chasing after you. And we, as we do, we know you're gonna place a different spirit in us, a next spirit, a future spirit. So we look forward to that. We look forward to dreaming prophesying. Lord, we look forward to the vision you're going to place inside of us, the vision for our church, the vision for our families, the vision for our finances, the vision for our health. Lord, we're going to prophesy this year the goodness of God, the mercies of God. It's going to follow us. We trust you, God. So we thank you for that. Lord, I pray for every person, Lord, right now. Lord, solidify this deep in their heart and their spirit. Lord, as they walk out of this place today, confidence. Thank you for that. Jesus' name we pray. We seal this morning. Everyone said amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for being with us today. Come on. It's going to be a good year. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year. God's going to do some good things. Come on. Tell your neighbor. God bless you guys. We love you.
Sing all that you ask. Sing it out to the Lord tonight. 